Hi. Have you been treading the boards? Look at my fucking moustache. <laughs> that moustache is amazing. Were you playing a, like a um, a strong man or an evil, some kind of evil doer? I was playing. Just a big... listeners, Lee has a Lee has, has a full moustache which has got those twirly twirls, um, as if he's appeared on the set of um, that movie by that Australian Baz Luhrmann um, with Nicole Kidman. The Moulin Rouge. That's an excellent description of what is happening on my face. I was um, I was acting, something I don't do often or well. <laughs> but I was doing it nevertheless as a favour for a colleague. And what kind of um, what kind of acting was this? Bad acting from me. Um, it was um, it was a <laughs> it was a an evening of Victorian theatre ghost stories she is a theatre historian don't laugh don't mock other people don't um, yuck no, other I'm not, people's just, I'm just, no uh, the reason I'm laughing is because now the moustache makes so much sense <laughs> this is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things And silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. On Thursday, Mm -hmm. I think I cried more in one day than I ever have in my entire life. The acme of this particular (laughs) experience, well, actually, there were several. Can you have several? No. The first pinnacle Mm -hmm. was um, having a burger, a halloumi burger and chips at a local pub and uh, having a pint and then just (laughs) bursting into tears. I'm sitting by myself. (laughs) Oh, oh, you sweet, sweet man. So was it something about the burger that triggered you or was it just (laughs) the experience of where you are in the world and in your life in this moment? It was the, um, I swear it was the Aotearoa Pale Ale or the APA. See what they did there? Um, Oh, it's like IPA. Yeah, but but not Indian. But but not because it's Aotearoan. I did a bad job of saying it. I know. I tried though. All the all the syllables, all all the vowels, use them all. <sighs> Aotearoa. Aotearoa. You can do it. Yeah, come on. Yeah, good. Yeah, you can thanks. do voices. Aotearoa, you're driving me crazy. There's a uh, Jenny Morris song from the 80s that says something like that. Aotearoa, you're driving me crazy. Oh, I don't remember the lines because I'm not you. And as we have discussed, I do have a scorched earth policy towards memory. Um, oh, God, yeah, you keep nothing in there. It's the opposite <coughs> of a lockbox. <coughs> It's like your your memory is Pandora's box after she's opened it. There's not even hope <laughs> in the bottom. There's just a couple of pennies and an old chip. And I swear I look at those pennies going, where the hell did where I get Where did those? they come from? I've never where been to they... Czechoslovakia. <laughs> That's so true. I've got some coins like that where I go, I've never been to that place. I've never been there. And then the, the pinnacle pinnacle was um, when, uh, after I'd finished my beer, after I'd as they say, cried into my beer. <laughs> oh, Simon! I got to, I got to, I got to do that. And then the the pinnacle pinnacle uh, was um, walking home and 
uh, it was just teeming down with rain. I mean, it, it, it was like I was in a really bad music video, just pouring with rain and just and I had no raincoat, and um, and just just crying absolutely uncontrollably, like deep, deep, you know, really just. And, I mean, I'm laughing now. It was kind of, it was beautiful, but wow, wow, did I cry a lot that day. Oh, sweet man. I mean, if this is the if this is the first episode of Midlifing you're listening to, you might be wondering what we're talking about. Do you want to talk about what precipitated the, the, the day that it was Thursday? Oh, just um, uh, Gabriel. So my mother's just, um, she's pretty sick, <laughs> it's fair to say. And um, she'd actually been, she'd gone to the hospital for a little bit more pain management. And the difference between when I'd, I hadn't seen her on Wednesday, I saw her last Tuesday morning, and, and the difference between Tuesday and Thursday um, was was um, just extraordinary um, in terms of how she looked. And if there were any doubt, you might say, any, any pretense uh, that this is happening meaning Gabriel is dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that there ever was, but if there were any pretense, you, that was absolutely impossible to ignore. You know, mm-hmm. it, it had just all disappeared. Certain kind of intensity, that feeling of, you know, that it being wrung out. It's an amazing... Um, yeah. It's exhausting, isn't it? It is. And And are you... We've never really talked about whether or not you're lacrimose. We know that I am. We know that I will cry at the drop of a tissue. But we don't know. I don't think we've ever talked about the the extent to which you cry in life. Because it sounds like you just cried twice in a day to me, and that doesn't feel like a lot. That feels like a Thursday of most weeks. No, that was so. <clears throat> no, that was. Um, those were just two. Inst- those were the two right. pinnacles. The um, the two. Yeah. But there were. It was a. It was kind of a. A, a gentle, oh, pretty much all day. Tide. Yeah, it was, yeah. A gentle tide with then with tsunamis. Mm. Uh, do I cry a lot? It's one of those qualitative things. I like, mean, more than I don't know. Am I comfortable crying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have I cried at work in front of people? Yes. Do I cry more than I used to? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I've got more comfortable with it for yeah. sure. Maybe it's. Are the you res- drinking red wine? No, I've drunk. <laughs> I drunk two glasses with dinner, and then while you're acting, before I was acting, and then promptly fell asleep, <laughs> and then had to be gently woken up by Bob going, um, "Aren't you supposed to be doing a play?" I was like, yes. Why? Because it's nearly time for you to do a play, and you seem to be asleep. Oh, I'm asleep. Oh, and then I stood up and and very very nearly fell over. <laughs> Not because I was drunk, just because I was sleeping. Sleepy, sleepy. I, um, I did. Uh, I had a team meeting that started last night, my time at eleven o'clock, and mm. um, I, I'm neither going to confirm nor deny that I fell asleep during it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strange moment when you've got some this this kind of chatter in your ear, and you're just hearing vaguely. Any other business? <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking. I didn't know there was business, leave alone other business. There was a critical moment when I thought, I've got a good idea. Instead of stretching, I'm going to just lie down and the bed. And... <laughs> oh, no, Simon. Why? Why would you? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I did read something. I'm reading um, Mum's, uh, Gabriel's parish priest, Father Michael, gave me a book to read, which it was hard to turn it down. It's called The Three Marriages. It's by David White. Do you know who David White's writing? I... 
don't know David White's writing. He's an amazing writer. But he's a really beautiful writer. But um, I wanted to read you one little bit, and maybe this will interest you. But he's talking about he, – he used to be a marine biologist, and he, was, he became very busy and was quite, um, let's say, absorbed in how busy and his sense of self-importance about being busy. Someone asked to meet him, and he's, he gets a little bit aggrieved by the idea that this person who asks to meet him doesn't realize how busy he is and also comes across as being a little bit like he's not very busy. And um, this, is what, <laughs> this is what David White says. Oh, this is a sense that he had plenty of the time that I did not have, which in some little place at the back of my mind irked me. Luckily, I was able to rise self-righteously above my self-righteousness. <laughs> <laughs> and I just loved that idea of, you know, that feeling of being... Oh, and then, but then also the way in which you get over it, a sort of meta uh, version of that self-righteousness, which I really enjoyed. And you might just cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that reminds me, I was reading the other week about the idea of being time rich. Did we talk about that? I don't think we did. Uh, the idea of becoming a time millionaire. And I just, I mean, uh, that, that sort of... <laughs> It's sunk to that, hasn't it? Well, if I can't be a millionaire, I may as well be a time millionaire. But the thing that I really liked about the idea of being a time millionaire was that you have to steal off other people in order for it to happen. So you effectively, you know, it's like, how long can I eke out my toilet break? Can I make it three hours? How? And it's and I guess you were being a time millionaire in your meeting yesterday when you had a little snooze. <laughs> where did you uh, where did you happen across? Uh, I think it was this in concept. Oh, you know, actually, the truth of it was Bob was reading it from across the room because most of the things I understand it happens a lot, my, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Bob reads me things and I just go slow down. I'm just going to close my eyes <laughs> and I treat everything like a bedtime story. And then fall asleep. <laughs> I treat everything like a bedtime story. I'm, um, I feel quite honoured that, uh, well, you don't appear to have fallen asleep yet while we've been recording midlife. The other thing I did, I, I, I had a, th- a thought occurred to me this week, which is I think I might be losing my sense of humour. Why so? Because I, I think it started with that episode when you um, reminded me of a rather shameful moment in my life. Uh, after the thing you told me after Bob had had a miscarriage. I think that really um, prodded me or punctured me to become increasingly aware of, you know, this habit of mine, but also it's a very strong thing. I think I think in New Zealand it's a very strong thing, but I think it's probably quite strong, particularly amongst men maybe. Uh, I think it relates to kind of what we're talking about in relation to crying actually. As a, as a mode, as you rightly said, a mode of deflecting from what's going on, that to treat each moment as an opportunity for humour. And I guess I was I was wondering about that line, or is there a line, have you any sense or any appreciation of the line between when the value of humour and the, I'll say the danger of it, mm. where it, and it's not, I don't even mean it's, I mean, yes, it has a particular, that, that instance had a particular effect on you, which, which you know, we've discussed and which i you know i still feel appalled by but um does such a line exist or and yeah what, what are your thoughts on that well first of all i want i want you to not feel appalled by something that you said sorry for i mean because that's that's the thing that i'm appalled as well 
but by me, not by you, that I didn't give you the opportunity to say sorry because I didn't say anything about it at the time. I carried mm. that wound. Mm. That was that was a choice I made. Um, and you can't mm. hold on to, you mustn't hold on to that moment, which was culturally acceptable and endemic just because it was one of the moments that I I couldn't I couldn't roll with that particular punch. And the thing yeah. is we've we've you know we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about the the imminent death of your mother. And we have laughed at various moments not at the not at the this the maybe at the situation maybe about your you know you were laughing about crying in your beer you started today laughing about crying and i think your question is sort of encapsulated in the offer that you make that you started with laughter we can find something shared because you are laughing but if somebody makes an offer to you that's not said with any space then i think that's where it becomes dangerous that if we if we can't match or meet the tone of the offer that's where we we become a bit cloth-eared and that's where we oh, we, default. we yeah, default we default our... that's better that's better than cloth-eared you're right yeah, we Simon. fall back on what's making us comfortable as opposed yeah. to what's making that person comfortable yeah because that person evidently isn't comfortable in that moment to be able to find levity doesn't feel right because it, that well, feels something too... absurd i mean the beer there's crying into the beer that i mean yeah. it's clearly absurd isn't it as well it you is know, absurd it, yeah but also there is the, it feel it felt to me like as you were talking about it there was there was a level of I mean, I, I can't think of a, a better word than joyfulness about you seeing yourself doing it because yes it's absurd but it's not it's yeah. I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know I'm no I, I think on the actually, right well no no but I think uh, I mean joy is not the word because it was incredibly painful yeah, but yeah I was yeah. I mean I was doing that thing which is literally laughing and crying I mean I was crying uncontrollably but at the same time kind of peeing myself laughing at this hot the entire situation you know so it was it 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 was so beautifully uh, paradoxical or I like what you've said there but why I'm I like I, what you've, Oh, thank you. But I want to know why you think it, why you think you've lost your sense of humour. Well, it's because it's <laughs> it's because I've started seeing it everywhere. I've started seeing that default response, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the offer. Mm-hmm. I mean, and of course, I'm exaggerating because I haven't lost my sense of humour. But it did occur to me. I was going, "Wow, maybe why can't I see the why can't I see anything funny in that?" It's like my it's like my superpower. <laughs> um, maybe I'm maturing. I think there are. So, mm. Go on. No, I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to find the right the right purchase onto this. Bob laughs freely. She does with great joy at many things in many moments. Um, she also cries even more than I do. Um, it's possibly why we don't spoil it. Your tissue couple. bill at home must be outrageous. I hope you use hankies. I hope you use something that you can actually, you know, wash and use again. Um, I think she's she's always been really, really easy to laugh and to make laugh. But one of the things that she has never, 
ever been able to sit with is stand-up comedy. You put it in front of her, you switch something on, and she just looks at it, and her, she does that little sort of sideways head tilt and then looks at you and goes, no, I, I don't get it. And it's it's clearly not because of a, a lack of sense of humour. It's because, and I've, I've, I've asked her about this, and she says, it trades in meanness in a way that I don't understand. Mm. And it makes me sad. This is the thing I think I'm... This is the, I think, what I'm sensing in the line. Sensing is as a mark of that line, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, meanness. Mm. Because that when we strip someone or even just take a little piece of someone's dignity, whether they know it or not, we're taking something from the world for me. Mm. That it's not just about what we've you might say, taken from that person, again, whether they're aware of it or not. If I think of the word compassion, you know, it, it not only is it not treating that person, with, but not even yourself with compassion and kindness. It's the cheapness and the cheapest of cheap. And so it, it's kind of a realisation for me, which is, um, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe a long time coming. Um, but... Uh, I wonder where it will go. I'm wondering, you know, in six months from now or a year from now. I think between the two of us, there's um, been a, a kind of a slow unfurling that's been happening across the course of these conversations where we have been trusting one another a little bit more. <laughs> and there have been moments where I've said something that I've cut out because I've gone, ooh. And you said something that I've cut out because I've gone, ooh. And they're... You have the editor's privilege of going, Yeah. But they're very, they're very small and they've been getting smaller. But what's interesting is as they get smaller, they become more acute. Mm. The, 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 it's, it's, like the, it's like the nerve ending of the tooth becomes more and more exposed. Mm. But I think that feels to me that it's unlikely that you're going to backslide in six months time into a default position where you just find yourself laughing at yeah you're very kind i don't think it's kindness i think it's just i've spent a year talking to you and listening to you and noticing the differences and noticing the 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 hypocrisy that both of us have and noticing the contradictions that both of us have, and noticing that both of us are deeply, deeply flawed individuals, but also, genuinely, Simon, we're trying our best. And that might not be good enough. <laughs> it's also weird because we're doing it in public, which I find, I just, I, oh, yeah. I forget that bit and then remember that. I know, I know. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful what you've just said, but it's, it's a very... Um, I was um, had that little moment of absurd living in the future yesterday when walking. I was coming back from the train and walking. This was the day after the um, crying in my beer. Um, it was quite a sunny day, and uh, I was coming out of the supermarket, and my niece Ruby FaceTimed me. So this would have been very early in the morning for her, and I had that moment of, you know, walking with <laughs> with a phone with a video of someone in England and having a conversation that moment going, wow, this is crazy technology, <laughs> but that's by and by. But like, it was really, it was just the walking outside thing. Cause I'm used to it inside, but it was, um, just in, 
if my 13-year-old self could even have imagined that moment, I'd be like, oh, fuck, this is so fucking cool. And uh, I, she was asking me about how it's going, and she's just so so beautifully tender and, and caring and um, thoughtful. And, and um, I said, what's the most surprising thing has... Um, you know, because Dad died twenty whatever twenty seven years ago, and so I hadn't I hadn't quite recognised the way in which Gabriel's death exposes my generation in our family mm. that we're next, and that just never occurred to me when when Dad died. Also, I was a lot younger, of course, but half a life ago. But um, yeah, it's really it's quite exposing. And she asked me, and she asked me, "Are you afraid of dying?" It was really it was really so lovely. Yeah. What did you discover in that question? Oh, I just said no, not at all. I I said I I said I've loved and been loved. I've I've given myself uh, enormously to different things. I've um I said it's not that I want to to die now. I'm um but if it were to happen I, or if I were to suddenly be become very ill, I I don't think I would fear it. No. What what does what does that do? And not in terms of mortality, because you know that's that's something we don't know. You know when, how long we've got on our ticket. But what does it do for you in terms of thinking about yourself as an elder? <laughs> well, it does. It does strike me as um, many opportunities to make a joke, which I'm just resisting. Um, well, you know, I mean, for one thing, when I mean when you've taught as much as you and I have in the, in those roles there's it creeps up on you the idea of going oh, yes I understand this I understand I have a feeling for what's going on here it's almost as if I understand that role in that context I would never call myself an elder in that context but it's a little bit like that but here I think the thing that comes to mind is and I'll go back to Ruby in our conversation yesterday because uh, she talked about uh, the idea of looking after me when I was in the situation that Gabriel is in now, which I was incredibly humbled by, of course, because she's my niece. She's not my daughter. She's not. And um, so there was a clear acknowledgement in the shifting of our roles or even the imagined shifting in our roles. And that extraordinary human thing she did, was, which was to imagine herself in 30 years' time, if I get that far. You know, she's late 40s. She's your age now, effectively. Mm-hmm. I'm my mother's age. Boom! Blink of an eye. Yeah. I don't mean in terms of how quickly that goes, but that capacity to do that. Wow. What a gift to humans and what a terrible responsibility, that capacity to imagine like that, to project into the future. I'm actually sitting on the floor in my mum's little kind of office space, I guess, and there's lots of little pictures, um, just little photos that are being printed out, you know, not photo photos, but um, photos that are being printed on a inkjet printer. And, mm-hmm. and there's just lots of photos of mostly the children, um, children meaning my sister's children and also my uh, niece's child. And they're all... And they're all they're all looking at me. It's extraordinary, um, that thing that, you know, photos or images do where you, you can't escape their eyes. And um, it's quite 
photos. Fuck, it's hard to escape the photos. I mean, don't mean here, but in the house. Oh. I find I find photos give me the ick. <laughs> I don't mean taking them, and I don't mean having them on my telephone. I don't even mean having boxes of them. I mean, but having them up on a the wall. The display of photographs makes me feel gross. Same here. I don't see, when I go to other people's homes, I don't think, oh, I go, oh, that is, oh, that is so, there's something, I think, I think the closest word I can come to it is uncanny. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think it's because, oh, God. That's different from ick. That's different from ick. Yeah, it is, it is, it is, it is. It feels like it's, okay, right. I'm going to try and put this into words and I'm going to I'm going to come off like a bad human but I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> <sighs> there is something about the display that feels inauthentic to my eye. And so I look at it and it doesn't look real anymore, but it looks like something that is real but isn't quite there. And that's why I think the uncanny comes in. That yeah, it, like it, the set of a film, like it's the yeah. dress. It's uh, this has been dressed in a particular way. Yeah, and I get that. I sometimes get that feeling when I'm looking at photographs of people that I know, <laughs> and, some, and more often than not, people that I'm related to, and quite often of me, um, that <laughs> I am looking at. People from Central Casting performing a moment that will look good in a frame. And I know that that's, that's photographs. And I know that that's what's yeah. happening for lots of people when they have them on the walls. But there is something for me about them being displayed that just just pulls them away from the, the memory and they become something else. They perform a role that I don't, I don't understand. So there's no photographs in the house of us. Anywhere. 